um, you're in for a great treat. This is an amazing place in Scripture. This place ties into where we've been. I hope that you've been with us for a while um, studying through this place because it's, it's, it's really magical, to be honest with you. Paul is doing an amazing job. Here's what he's doing. He's, he's not been to Rome. He's not been to Rome. He, um, he is writing a, a letter to these people to introduce himself as a bondservant, an apostle uh, called to preach the gospel. And he said he's under obligation to do that, that, that he's required in and of himself, and that, that he is not ashamed of what he is telling them. Then he takes this turn, if you recall, in the first chapter. He starts talking to those who are like atheists, who just have no need for God whatsoever. And let me just clue you in. You're without excuse, every single one of you. Because God has made himself evident to you. You just have no excuse whatsoever. Then he says to those who are religious, but uh, think they can come to him their way. Uh, they think they have the truth. He shoots them down on that. Well, they said, but we do good things. And he shoots them down on that too, saying that their good things are like filthy rags and it doesn't bring them righteousness. And he says, by the way, as I told them, the ones in chapter 1, the ones who are like atheists who didn't believe in God, they're without excuse. You also are without excuse, every single one of you. Now he has shifted gears. And where we are now, second chapter, the first half of it we studied and we took a look at the, at the Jews and, and we saw them and, and, and he said to them, look, your heritage is not, is not making it as far as God is concerned. There's a whole different scenario for you to come to me and, or come to God and to trust in him. And that is, it is an inward session. You're going to see it's not from without. It's not these things that you do. It's not your heritage. It's not circumcision, and that's going to be the key tonight. It is the circumcising your heart. It's a, this, is, this is just beautiful. Let me just bring us to where we are right now. Last week, we saw a comparison in chapter 2 between the Jews and the so-called Christians. And, and, and I brought into focus what Paul said to the Jews and how it lines up with what, what way we ought to behave as believers. Verse 17 of chapter 2. Like the Jews, we too should rely upon the law. We too should boast in knowing God. In verse 18, we too should know God's will because we too are instructed out of the law, out of the Bible. It says in verse 19, you too are to become a guide to the blind. We are to be a light in this darkened world in which we live. And then in verse 20, we too are to correct foolishness and to teach the immature through the knowledge of truth, God's wonderful truth, our Bibles. Therefore, I believe this passage that we are studying here in the second chapter of Rome, Romans is written to warn the religious person as well as the Jew to take note and become a doer of the word and not just simply those who hear the word. That's Paul's theme here. He warns them of their actions in that respect, saying, you hear it, but are you doing it? And if you remember last week, in verses 21, 22, 23, and 23, he says, you teach. Do you, t do you not teach yourselves? You who preach that one should not steal, 
do you steal? He says, you who say you shouldn't commit adultery, do you commit adultery? He says, you who abhor idols, do you rob temples? And I loved this place. Actually loved what, what I taught last week in the sense that in robbing temples, it wasn't so much as we did teach it was in Malachi. Uh, God said, you're robbing me. And they asked him, how are you robbing you? He says, by not giving your tithes and your offerings to the church. And, but, but basically, I also taught that we rob God, we rob the temple of God by not giving to God back the most precious gift that he has given to us. And that's a spiritual gift. We are to participate within the family of God to build each other up. And so I thought that that was really interesting and very, very, uh, to me, important. And then he says in verse 23, You who boast in the law, through your breaking the law, do you dishonor God? And the answer to all of those is yes, yes, yes. If you take a look at yourself, you will say yes, we are falling short. Therefore, Paul says in verse 24, the name of God is being blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. The word Gentiles there means unbelievers. To me, these are some of the, this verse 24 is, 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 is some of the saddest words within all of God's word. To have God's name blasphemed because of the way we live, not good. And so Paul is reminding both the Jew and the religious person, don't think better of yourself just because of your quote-unquote closeness to God, your, your heritage, the, the things that you do. They do not necessarily bring you closer to God. And what Paul does, and here's that I think is amazing, he uses the word circumcision, the very thing the Jews were, it was a part of, of, of their heritage, every Every eight-day-old eight eight Jewish boy was to be circumcised. It was, a, it was a part of the covenant that they had, the Mosaic covenant with the, with the family, uh, the Jewish family. And Paul uses the word circumcision here to make his point. I would like to make our point for you and me through adding in the word religion. Where it says circumcision, I'm going to read that word, and I'm also going to read in the word religion. Where it says uncircumcision, I'm going to read in the idea of non-religious. And I think it will make great sense of where we are today. Read with me, please. Romans chapter 2, verses 25 to 29, as Paul wraps up this whole idea of being right with God and not being right with Him by who you are and your heritage, but, but what you are as a, as a person within your heart. Read with me, please. Verse 25. For indeed, circumcision or religion is of value if you practice the law. But if you are a transgressor of the law, your circumcision or your religion has become uncircumcision or non-religious. If therefore... The uncircumcised or the non-religious man keeps the requirement of the law. Will not his uncircumcision, his non-religion, be regarded as circumcision or religion? Hope this is not confusing you. Verse 27. And will he not, he who is physically uncircumcised or a non-religious person, if keeps the law, will he not judge you who, though having the letter of the law and circumcised or religious are a transgressor of the law. 
Then he goes to say in verse 28, For he is not a Jew who is neither circumcision, that, or religion, that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision, or religion, is that which is of the heart. It is by the Spirit, not by the letter, and his praise is not from men, but from God. If I have a purpose, it's to try to teach the Word of God. But it is also this, that you and I one day will stand before God, and by the grace of God, he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. It is not my intent that you and I would get praised by mankind for what we do. And that's, it's irrelevant. Hopefully we live a life that, that pleases others, but that's irrelevant. Our purpose in living ought to be to please God in everything that we do. And that's the purpose of reading and studying the Bible as we do. I want you and me to be right with God. So let's, let's pray and let's, let's take a look at this marvelous, marvelous place in the Word of God. And, and maybe if I confused you by reading it as I did, um, maybe as we go through it line upon line, it, it will come to uh, maybe better sense. Let me pray. Father, please. Would you please uh, honor us through honoring your word? Would you, as we pray out of Psalms 1, eyes, so that we might behold wonderful things from your law, dear Father? Would you please move me aside? Let me not be a, a hindrance to what you want to say to every single one of us here tonight. I believe this place in Scripture is a, it's a place that really can move us into, into deeper waters with you that are just enjoyable, just a deeper, more wonderful walk. And so, Father, I, I really do just beg of you, please, move me aside. Teach us, all of us, myself, everyone here, from the wonders of your most glorious word. What Paul has written here, Father, may we make some sense of it so it, it becomes real to us where we live here in, in Yorba Linda or wherever we may live and, and, and in this time of, of, of the year, of, of, of the time of September of the year 2012. Bless us, please, Father. I pray this in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. In talking about circumcision, or in this case, religion, uh, Paul is saying that God is not necessarily a, a, a rite, an R-I-T-E, uh, or, uh, or, or, or a church, or a tradition, or a, a nation for that matter. He is a person. And, and, and he says, Paul is going to teach us very clearly that we must come to him in his terms, not our own. That's what he's teaching so far. We've got to come to him in his terms. And in his terms is, we come to him with all of our hearts. I'm going to read to you in a while, uh, at the very end of this, if we have enough time, Deuteronomy. It's just, it's precious. It is precious. And so what he wants you and me to be are people who live not outwardly, as, as we sang from the song. I wrote down some of the lyrics. It says, Father, from 
let me love you from the inside out. My soul cries out. Forgive me, August, if I just blow this so badly. But, but it says, death could not hold you down. You are the risen king, seated in majesty. It's, it's, it's these words that, 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 that uh, Anthony and, and, the, and the guys and, and, and girls played for us tonight are just an essence of this message. You'll see as we go along. And so your whole purpose of your, of your life is not to be an outward type of thing, but something that comes from within, deep within you. Now, circumcision was instituted by God to mark His covenant with Abraham, declaring every male who was eight days old to be circumcised. There was no merit in the, that right in and of itself, as important as circumcision is to the Jewish nation. Circumcision was given for a couple of reasons. One, to show obedience to God, and two, as a reminder of, of the Jews' covenant with God and with God to them. But the right in and of itself had no spiritual power in their lives. So verse 25 tells us that. Look, circumcision, it is of value, Paul explains, only if, you practice the law. That is, you live in obedience to the will of God. That's the same with us as a churchgoer. Our religion is of no value to us if we do not live out the will of God within our lives. So to the faithful, in other words, the obedient Jews, circumcision was a symbol of God's covenant, His blessings, His goodness, His protection over His chosen people. But... As verse 25 tells us, to be a transgressor of the law of God brought circumcision into dispute or disgrace. And all of a sudden that right, which should have been so precious and sacred to them, became unsacred, let us say. Look at verse 25, the last part of verse 25. It says, if you are a transgressor of the law, then your circumcision has become uncircumcision. Your religion has become unreligious. It's, it does you no value, is what Paul is saying. What he's trying to do is to get you and me, anyone and everyone that will study this place in Scripture and understand what he's saying, to walk in obedience with the Lord. That's his bottom line. Now this can be applied to all churches' sacraments, whether, let's say, for instance, just water baptism, if water baptism comes from a pure heart, it's just simply an outward expression of what has taken place within our heart. It's wonderful. It blesses both the person who has been baptized as well as God Almighty as He sees this happening. But if, if one is disobedient and wants to be baptized, then it becomes a, a mockery. We can't live one way and be another. We've got to match up our lives and our walks with our faith. It can also be said of church membership. A poorly lived life of any church member can make membership within a church a mockery. You know, I told you, I think last week, I don't know, I believe I said it to every service, but, but there was a very personal moment to me when I was in ministry with the athletes. And if you were here, uh, hopefully you remember this. If you weren't, basically I worked in a ministry with athletes and, and we had chapel services. 
and I told the people last week, and uh, I, I just want to say that this is, this is that point to, 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 to not be committed to your faith and to let others see it is, is, is not good. It's not good, for, it's not good for those that go to the church. It's not good for, for, for yourself, and, and certainly it's not good for the Lord. So I, uh, I had a fellow that was coming to chapel, and I, I had heard him over and over again just use profanity within the locker room, uh, one, one of the ball clubs. And then I was told by some of the chapel leaders that, that we appointed as, as kind of the leaders of, the, of our, our chapel services on that team that, 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 that this guy openly ran around on the road on his wife. So I, uh, I pulled him aside one day and I said, I want to ask you a favor. And he said, anything you want, I do. I said, great. I said, I want you to stop coming to chapel. And he laughed. He thought I was joking. And I said, I'm not joking. And he said, why? I said, because I hear you say when you're in the locker room, I, I hear your language. I, I, what, what you say does not match up to what you, what you do and what you believe when you walk into that chapel room with us. And what you're doing is you're causing some of the guys who, who, who maybe would come to chapel think, why should I go to chapel? I'm just as good as this guy. I told you last week, and I say again this week, that, that story ended up absolutely beautiful. This, this young man wept with me, asked me, and asked the Lord, more importantly, to forgive him. He repented, and uh, he became a vital, vital part of God's ministry within that ball club. To live a poor life and to be a member of the church, to make the membership within the church and others look foolish. It's like I told my kids whenever they were old enough and they started to drive and they left the house, you know, to, to go out with their friends. Every time they did, I, my, Kay and I would always tell them, remember, you're a warehouse. And you represent us just as I represent you. And don't embarrass your grandpa, your grandma, or your dad and your mom, or your sister or your brother. As verse 25 reads very clearly, indeed, circumcision or religion, it's but if you are a transgressor of the law, in other words, if you're disobedient, then your circumcision or religion or your going to church, it becomes uncircumcision. It becomes of no value at all. You see, it's a solemn matter. It, it is to have access to God's truth and His message and to be able to read His truth as we do and to study it and then to simply take it for granted. Not to, not to become a doer of the things that you hear. I said in the first service, it's not in my notes. Let me say it now. I don't know if it fits now or later. I don't remember when I tied it in in the first service, but I can say to you this, look, if God is speaking to you and you hear his, his saying to you, maybe you ought to change this or you ought to do that, and, and I, I, I would encourage you, if in the service, if it, like an elephant, if, if this was an elephant, don't eat the whole thing tonight. In other words, take a bite, maybe two if you can handle it. If there are some things that, that God speaks to you that you need to change, write them down and work on, work on them in, in, in some sort of order. Don't Try to take it all at once. It, sometimes 
it will overwhelm you. At least that does it for me. I, I, I've got to take little bits at a time. And, and as you go through this and you take this little bite and you try to improve where God has told you you need to straighten out your life, you'll find that you'll mess up. Sure you will. We, we're human beings. But that's when you go to 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You'll note that I know that verse by heart. Because I would have to go to the Lord all the time for times when I messed up, asking God to forgive me and taking my sin before Him and say, Lord, please forgive me of my sin, and then believing in my heart that He has. And sometimes I would have to do that three, four, five, six, seven, eight times a day to where I thought I was going nuts. But I would take it to the Lord every time I messed up and I would ask Him to forgive me. And sooner or later I would find out that I wasn't doing it five, six, seven times a day, maybe only once. And then it gets to a place where I said, when's the last time I did such and such? Wow, the Lord's moving in my life. If you have something that you see that is, is God speaks to you, and, and there's a few things, might write them down, but don't try to eat the whole elephant tonight. Now, if that doesn't make any sense to you, okay, I'm sorry, but... It, boy, it worked with me. worked with me absolutely beautifully. So it's a solemn matter, as I said, to have access to the truth of God. We, we can't take it for granted. If I could nail this place down for you and me, I'd say it this. Paul is warning us against head knowledge without taking what we know and moving it those 12 inches into to be obedient. Note again, verses 28 and 29. Let me read them again. For one is not a Jew who is one outwardly, neither is circumcision that which is outward of the flesh. But the person who is a Jew, or the person who is a, a Christian, is one who is that inwardly, and circumcision, or their religion, is that which is of the heart, by the Holy Spirit, not by the letter. His praise will be from men, not from God. Listen, I, I, let me just share it this way. To, to know in my head that I have a deep love for my... Matter of fact, just yesterday, on the 14th, we celebrated our 39th wedding anniversary. And it was really, you know, just a special time, really special. But when my love for my wife moves from here to here... It's all the difference in the world. Then I act out my love for her, and it becomes real. It becomes a part of me. A religious person who is all and no walk needs to move what you know from here. Here, Paul is saying. Verse 21, remember, we, we spoke of it last week concerning spiritual apathy. Paul warned in verse 21, this is my translation. You teach others, so why in the world don't you teach yourself? You, you hear, when are you going to start to do what you hear, what you know when God is moving you? Since God's teaching is that which changes, ought to change our behavior, then some of you might be asking, why haven't we changed? Gave an example this, this Wednesday morning in our, our men's breakfast. 
I didn't mean to put it into tonight's message, but it fits. And so for those of you men that were there Wednesday morning, forgive me, I'm going to speak a little bit about this again. For those of you that don't come in, that, 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 that if you can, we meet 6 o'clock at Kino's. We are having the time of our lives. It has really been rich. Don't feel like you, well, I can't come regularly. That's okay. Come when you can. We're not going through any book of the Bible. We're kind of all over the place. Basically, what we're doing is just enjoying each other's company and encouraging one another. And it's been fantastic, and I encourage you to come. And I spoke to the guys Wednesday morning that I think I know the answer of why some people don't change. It happened to Isaiah. Isaiah, in the fifth chapter, said to the people of Israel six times, Woe to you! In other words, he, he looked them and he says, Woe to you of the house of Israel. Six times in chapter 5. When we moved to chapter 6, the next chapter, something amazing happened in the life of Isaiah. In the first verse of chapter 6 of Isaiah, Isaiah it says, when Isaiah saw the Lord. Now, can you even imagine? Isaiah saw the Lord himself. It says he saw him sitting on his throne, lofted, exalted. The train of his robe filled the whole temple. The, the fifth verse, Isaiah said, after seeing the Lord, Woe is me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. Amazing. When Isaiah saw the Lord in all of his glory, just as we sang, seated in majesty. I can't read my writing. And death could not hold me down. Anyways, as, as we sang. That's why I'm not on the singing team. For a number of reasons. But when he saw him seated in majesty, Isaiah went from woe is them to what? Woe is me. And folks, that's what it's all about. When he saw God in his true perspective, seeing God in all of his glory, that is why we try to study the word of God for you here. We want you to see him. We don't want you, with all due respect, that's why I asked the Lord to move me aside. Some people say, you don't need to do that. We get it. But no, I want to do that. Because there's times in the service when I promise you, feel like I'm standing here just w listening to what I'm saying. And, and it just amazes me because I feel so convicted and I feel like the Lord is trying to make me change into a, a better human being. And that's what I want. I don't want you to see me. I want us to see the Lord in all of His majesty. And so when we see the Lord in that fashion, we see ourselves as sinners and we don't see others as bad people. We're too busy seeing ourselves. That's what the Lord said. Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 7, verses 3, 4, and 5. The Jesus Christ said, Why do you look at the speck that's in your brother's eye and you don't notice the log that's in your own eye? He goes on to say in the fourth verse, How can you say to your brother, Let me 
speck out of your eye, and behold, the log's in your own eye. Then he calls us, in verse 5, hypocrites. You hypocrites, he says. You able to see clearly enough to take the speck out of your brother's eye. I love that. Remember, as we saw last week, we're not to be hearers only of the Word of God. We're to be doers. When we are doers of the law, we will then be justified. Now, let me close this up. We come to an extremely vital point in Paul's teaching in chapter 2. And it is this. Paul is teaching those in Rome, and of course, all of us who will listen to what he has write, writ, written down. I mean, isn't it amazing? I, I'm, I don't believe Paul had a clue how many of us he was going to... Here he is in prison, writing out these things, and, and I, I, it doesn't seem to be a time where he ever felt sorry for himself. He just served the Lord. In every circumstance, he said he found himself. He was in joy. And then he's writing these things, and he's saying, just because you are religious, or just because you've been circumcised, it gives you no preference with God whatsoever. As verse 25 says, let's read it again, because it's important. If you are a a transgressor of the law, in other words, you're disobedient to the law, your circumcision, or your church going, or your religion, it's become uncircumcised. Circumcise it. It is. It's of no value to you. Any Jew, or in my scenario, as I'm trying to teach this, any religious person who continually transgresses God's law is proving that they have no more saving relationship to the Lord than a, than a pagan. That's what that's what Paul is trying to say. The Jews referred to uh, the the pagan or the Gentile as uncircumcised. So listen, please, mark it down in your mind. Circumcision, or in this case, as I'm trying to teach it, religion, was in fact more a mark of judgment and obligation than it was of salvation and freedom. You see, just because someone was circumcised doesn't mean he was saved. Just because someone comes to church doesn't mean that they're saved. It, it ought to... Bring judgment upon yourself, obligation upon yourself to where you look at yourself as a sinner, ask the Lord to forgive you of your sin, and then He cleanses you of all unrighteousness and then makes you right before God. That's what religion is. It is a judgment. It is an obligation to serve the Lord. It's not a part of salvation or freedom, not until you come to Christ. Then, then you start to grow. Then we start to walk in our Lord, with our Lord. That's what verses 26 and 27 are trying to say. A little difficult, difficult to understand. If therefore, verse 26, the uncircumcised man keeps the requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? In other words, would someone who's religious, not religious, he's saying in verse 26, still fills out the law, Will not his filling out the law be regarded as religious? He is saying in verse 27, And will not the one who is physically uncircumcised, if he keeps the law, won't he judge those who, though having the letter of the law and circumcision, or religious, and are a transgressor of the law? That's why I asked the guy to get out of chapel. He was causing guys to not want to come 
to hear about the most precious thing they could ever hear of, and that is Jesus Christ. So Paul's point in verses 26 and 27 is simply this. The substance of pleasing God is obedience to the will of God, of which circumcision, and in this case religion, is but a symbolic reminder of our dependency upon Jesus Christ and his work upon the cross. So in verses 28 and 29, Paul summarizes his, his destruction, if you would, of, of, of false trust in religion. First, he reiterates to the Jew that their heritage is meaningless. It has absolutely no spiritual benefit at all if it stands alone. Verse 28, he's not a Jew, Paul writes, who is one outwardly. He's not. John the Baptist said that. When he was with on this earth, John the Baptist was, was, was having many people come to him, and, and they were saying, we are Abraham's father, children. We are children of Abraham. John the Baptist looked them in the eye. You talk about someone who it was. He says, I say to you that from these stones, these stones here where I am, those stones right there on the ground, God is able to raise up children to Abraham. So don't think you're so wonderful. Secondly, Paul reemphasizes this truth, saying that ceremony, whether it be circumcision or religion, is of no value in and of itself. Look, verse 28 again. Neither is circumcision. In this case, we're talking about religion, which is outward in the flesh. In other words, if it's just out there, what good is it? Putting those two truths together, Jewish heritage is not a benefit before God. Circumcision, or a religious person, is of no value in and of itself. Paul teaches that the true child of God is the one who is the one inwardly. Look, look what he says in verse 29. The person, he's saying first off in 28, the person is not a Jew who is one outwardly, but he says, but the person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that which is of the heart. A true mark of a child of God is not an outward symbol. It is the godly condition of yours and my heart. That's it. Thirdly, Paul reinstates the very truth that salvation comes by the Spirit of God Himself. The praise that you and I seek should not come from mankind. No, it is our reward to be praised by God. That's why I said to you a couple times earlier, I pray with all of my heart that you and I will hear, Well done, well done, my good and faithful servant. You see, a person's heritage or what they do, no matter what it is, is of no value apart from really knowing God as your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And here's the rub. For circumcision, or for religion in this case, to be of any value, Paul is saying, apart from Jesus Christ, you have to keep the whole law. That's what he's saying. And we've already learned that that's humanly impossible. It says in, in James chapter 2, verse 10, whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles on just one 
simple point. I added the word simple. But just in stumbles on one point, that person becomes guilty of what? The whole thing. It's just impossible. That one sin renders the right or the religious null and void. See, the only thing that makes a permanent change comes from within one's heart. And that's Jesus Christ. And that idea is not new. I did finish on time. On time. So I want to read to you Deuteronomy chapter 10. If you want to turn with me, you may. But I want to read. This was long, long ago. Deuteronomy chapter 10. It's like it's Genesis, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy. Yep. Chapter 10. Listen to what is said. Um, verse 11. Then the Lord said to me, verse 11, chapter 10 of Deuteronomy. The Lord said to me, Arise, proceed on your journey ahead of the people, that they may go in and possess the land that I swore to their fathers to give to them. Verse 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you? Oh, my goodness. You know, if you read that, you should stop and, and say, Whoa, I might want to know this. This is, a, this is a pretty good verse here. God himself is saying, what do I require from you? I would like to know. Listen to what he says. I want you to fear. I want you to fear me. Fear means to respect. I want you to fear me. I want you to walk in all of my ways. I want you to love me. I'm, I'm making it personal, as you know. It, it's, it's him and, and, and all of that. But I'm making it personal. And that's normally when I get to a place like this in Scripture... This is, when I'm at home, this is exactly the way I read it. Maybe even out loud. So I can really hear what the Lord is trying to say to me. Let me start it again. Now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all of His ways, to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul, and to keep the Lord's commandments and His statutes, which I am commanding you today. Note, for, I have it underlined in red, for good not for god's good for your for our good to love him to to fear him to respect him to walk in all of his ways to serve him with all of our hearts with all of our souls and to keep his commandments for our good behold it says to the lord your god belongs the heavens and the heavens the highest of heavens the earth and all that is in it yet on your fathers did the lord set his that he set his affection on their fathers to love them and he chose their descendants after them even you above all peoples as it is to this day circumcise then this is what paul is teaching circumcise then your heart stiffen your neck no more this is this is this has been taught from the very beginning of it all to 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 and to love the lord with your heart your, your, who you are is, is, is irrelevant. What is taking place within you is everything. And that, honestly, folks, it, it doesn't come easy. It comes, well, for some of you it does, maybe. But for me, no. It comes with a study of the Word of God. It comes with a time of, of, of reflection, of, of, of asking for forgiveness, of of when I mess up, and boy, do I mess up. I, I told you the other day, I, I'm driving here to church, right, to preach, right? And I'm behind this woman, right? And she stopped, and I'm beeping. 
move ahead a little bit. Just move up a little bit, I yell at her. She won't move. Beep, beep, beep. Move up just a little bit. She won't move. Finally, a guy behind me backs up. I back up. I go around her. I think he's mad too, but it doesn't matter. I go around her, and I called her an idiot. And then I drove off. She wasted, what, 15 seconds of my day. Who does she think she is? I didn't get more than a half a block away. And I thought I heard that voice within here saying, who the heck do you think you are? Who are you to yell at that woman? She's a child of mine, maybe. She certainly has been made in my image. Who are you? And I thought about reversing my track and finding her, and I thought that might be really, that might be very, very strange. And I better leave that alone. So on the way to church, I prayed that God would protect her from a fool like me, not make her feel maybe bad because someone thought she was an idiot. She certainly wasn't an idiot. I was the idiot. And all the way to church, I asked the Lord to forgive me because that night I had to preach. I think that's what makes true believers. I could have just flipped it off and said, she deserved it and more. But the Lord wouldn't let me do that. That's the kind of people I think God wants. That's why I said Wednesday morning at breakfast, or one of the Wednesdays, I said that that's why I loved King David so much. David was really a scoundrel. You know, he did some things I never thought about doing, and I hadn't done yet. He committed adultery, hadn't done it. He killed a man, hadn't done that. And yet, when he was confronted by his sin by Nathan the prophet, he asked for forgiveness immediately, and God called King David. One of the most precious things in the whole world. You know what he called him? A man after his own heart. You see, it's not people that never sin that is so special with God. It's those of us that do, and we confess it. Deal with it. So we become the people that God called us to become. It happens in here. Here's where it takes place. Now, Dan's going to come and speak to us for a moment as we close up. And I want to tell you I love you. With all my heart, I love you. I really like um, this church. I love the closeness that it is. And I love being with you like this. And I just wish that we could meet on Sunday mornings if, if, if it was comfortable for you. But I'll do whatever you wish, wish. Not my will, but his be done and yours be done. I'll follow you. Father, thank you for this time. God bless these people. Love them so much. They come to church, Father, on a hot, hot, hot Sunday evening. Or Saturday evening, excuse me, Father. And they're here fully alert. I can see it in their faces and in their eyes. Listening to every word from, uh, from you, Father. So bless us, please. And thank you for Dan, all that he's doing here. Bless him as well. I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Bless you all.